0: This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Legend of the Bones. Following in the footsteps of giants, Legend of the Bones is a chimera, a mix of old school tabletop RPG and dark fantasy storytelling. As its name might suggest, in Legend of the Bones the dice rule. There will be no rerolls, no fudging the dice, no metacurrency. The role of the Bones will determine the character's destiny and no one will be spared their fate. None shall escape the destiny of Bone. Last time on Legend of the Bones, the party guided by the dwarf Torsten Travelled to the Four Rivers mine to seek out and destroy the evil which plagued it. On arrival, they found the area around the mine to be completely abandoned and the entrance boarded up. The party proceeded to enter the mine, and guided by Torsten, they made their way to a large natural cavern in which a river ran through. After resting for a short while, the party continued on until they reached the point where Torsten's brother, Tostig, was killed, a place where the miners had broken through into a cavern. Here Torsten mourned over the body of his brother, but his grief was interrupted when Valen's lantern attracted a group of zombies. In the fight that followed, Lena turned some of the undead creatures, whilst the others were destroyed by her companions. But when it looks like the companions would be victorious, Beric was critically wounded by a pickaxe blow to the shoulder before Keir finished the final zombie. Lena desperately tried to administer aid Beric, but the fighter was bleeding to death. Lena's last hope was to put faith in the Gods who answered her call. Chapter 11 Part 1 Day 18 Evening Party Status Beric 17 out of 17 hit points. Lena, 10 out of 10 hit points. Kia, 7 out of 7 hit points. Valen, 7 out of 7 hit points. Torsten, 8 out of 8 hit points. Spells available. Valen has memorized Push and Shield. The atmosphere in the cavern was palpable. Several minutes passed. The only sound to interrupt the deafening silence was the breathing of five people. Keir, Valen and Torsten stood dumbfounded at the miracle they had just witnessed, whilst Berwick, who was standing, was instinctively rubbing his shoulder as if to massage away some pain, though he felt none. The big man looked at Lena, whose face still wore an expression of sublime exultation, "'Lena,' Beric began, "'you saved my life.' Lena turned and looked directly at the warrior, her gaze steady, and Beric saw in the cleric's green eyes a newfound wisdom and an unbreakable conviction. "'It was not I that healed you, Beric,' the cleric said. "'I was but the beacon. The hand that lit the flame was our Lord Solon.' It was by his divine grace that you are restored. I... I I don't understand. Beric responded. I have heard them, Beric. And now I know their plan for me. I know my purpose. The cleric looked at the rest of the companions in turn, before resting her eyes upon Valen. To root out heresy. The mage had a look of startled dismay as Lena's words hung in the air and for a moment there was an uneasy silence. Then the cleric's expression changed, it softened, and her face once more became that of the woman they had come to know. Fear not, Valen," she said gently. I do not mean you. The Nine do not view mages as heretics. I understand that now. Then who or what do you mean? The mage asked. Those that murder in the name of the Nine those that take their name in vain, the brethren of the purifying light." So Lena has finally received the word, which marks her as a true cleric, and as having the favour of the gods, who may now answer her prayers for miracles. I think at this point it is worth explaining some of my house rules when it comes to religion and clerics. Just like mages and spellcasting, receiving a miracle from the gods is not automatic. As mentioned in episode 10, clerics are not required to select miracles at the start of each day, rather they can pray for miracles at the point of needing them as per their level. In order to pray for a miracle, the cleric must pass a successful wisdom check and just like spellcasting, a critical success or failure, the roll of 1 or 20 respectively, will have additional consequences. I have defined this in a custom Great Blessing and Wrath of the Gods table, which you can find at legendofthebones.blogspot.com. I rolled Lena's first ever prayer check off mic, and amazingly I got a 1, a critical success. I subsequently rolled a d6 on the Great Blessing table, and got another 1, which indicated that the effect of the miracle was doubled. The miracle Lena prayed for was cure light wounds, which restores d6 plus one hit points. I rolled a five, resulting in Beric being restored to full health. Sometimes in role-playing games, you get those moments where everything slots into place, like the dice have a mind of their own and are itching to tell a story. This was one of those moments, and when I rolled that one, it gave me shivers down my spine. I love that. Now, those of you who are listening closely would have noticed that Beric was down to seven hit points and not near death as suggested in the narrative. But given the roles, it seemed right to portray Lena's first miracle as something special, and let us not forget that Beric had been wounded by a critical hit, so it felt appropriate to make it more dramatic than perhaps it was in purely game terms. With that explanation out the way, I would also like to take a few moments to explain a little about the Pantheon in Legend of the Bones. The principal human religion in this part of Erden is that of the Nine. The faith believes that there are nine benevolent gods and whilst each has a specific sphere of influence, they work together in unison. It is a matter of debate amongst scholars and priests as to whether the nine are different gods or simply aspects of one god. Regardless, the priesthood of the nine, known as the wise, do not restrict their worship to a specific god. Rather, their worship focuses on the different gods depending on the situation. Whilst the nine represent the benevolent gods, They are opposed by dark forces known colloquially as the Five. As with the Nine, it is unclear whether the Five are different deities or aspects of a single dark god. The Five are represented by an inverted pentacle and as such this symbol is often used in black rituals. So far I have mentioned three of the gods. Solon, the god of the sun, fire and light. The giver of life. Solon is represented by the central hub of the wheel which is the symbol of the Nine, and it is no coincidence that the spokes of the wheel symbolise the rays of the sun. It is Solon that connects the other gods. Erda, the goddess of the earth, fertility and nature. And I have also mentioned one of the five, Mordgrun, the lord of hell, forbidden knowledge and darkness. I think that is enough lore for now. If you are interested, you can find more at legendofthebones.blogspot.com. Okay, let's get back to the story. Chapter eleven Part two Day eighteen Evening Party Status Beric seventeen out of seventeen hit points Lena ten out of ten hit points Kia seven out of seven hit points Valen seven out of seven hit points Torsten eight out of eight hit points Spells available Valen has memorized push, and shield. Shh. The companions had moved on from the smaller space where the miners had broken through, and now found themselves in a sizable cavern which was possibly part of a larger natural cave system. The space in which they now stood was vast, and no far wall could be seen beyond the range of the lantern light, nor Torsten's dwarf eyes, though a wide central column was visible the ceiling also could not be seen clearly, at least by lantern light, indicating that it was at least 40 feet in height. As the party ventured further into the chamber, it became clear that whilst ostensibly natural, the cavern showed signs of stonecraft. The central column which was approximately 20 feet wide and half as much deep had been shaped so that the whole column was cuboid, and all around, roughly 3 feet from the base were a series of recesses, each around 6-7 to feet in length and 2 feet high. The recesses were empty save for the occasional clay jar or pot, and some were draped in sheets of linen, stained and disintegrating with the rot of time. Valen moved closer with the lantern. These are not just caves, the mage said. It is a tomb. A tomb? Beric asked. Valen turned to face the others. A barrow. Sometimes the ancients would use natural caves and sealed the entrance, and this, the mage indicated towards the recesses, this suggests the person was of great importance. How so? Keir asked. This person was not buried alone. These recesses would have been for the bodies of slaves sacrificed to accompany their master in the afterlife the mage replied. So where are they now? The rogue said questioningly, but before Valen could reply, Keir held up his hand and cocked his head. The rogue brought a finger up to his lips, and after a few seconds, gestured with a nod of his head towards the left. Beric, Torsten and Lena moved in front and cautiously, the party advanced. As they moved forward, they could all now hear several faint rattling sounds from the darkness and as they passed the central column, the light from Balen's lantern illuminated the wall ahead. In the center of the wall was a large arched door, and the surrounding doorway had intricate stonework carved directly into the rock. There was, however, no time for the companions to marvel at this, for standing guard in front of the door, brandishing ancient bronze short swords were six animated skeletons. Entering combat. Those dice you heard earlier was a positive result of a wandering encounter. The skeletons that the companions had disturbed are just one hit dice creatures. Now on paper, this should be an easy fight for the party. There was the potential for up to 12 skeletons, but the dice roll was lucky and there were just 6. But if this experiment in solo play has taught me anything, it's that the dice will often do what you least expect, so I'm not counting on anything. The skeletons are armed with bronze short swords which will do 1d6 points of damage. The skeletons have an armour class of 12, and as with the zombies in episode 10, the skeletons will all have the same hit points. So let us roll those now. A six? Okay, the skeletons will have maximum hit points. As Keir heard the skeletons, and because the party have a lantern lit, I'm going to rule that neither side is surprised. Round one. Initiative. The skeletons, a one. The party? A five. Keir knocks an arrow and shoots. With his bonuses, Keir needs a ten or more to hit. A four. The rogue's fingers slip and the arrow flies wide of the mark. Lena steps forward, holy symbol in hand. As a second level cleric, Lena can automatically turn one hit dice undead, so we just need to calculate how many are affected. Roll in 2d6. Lena's voice rings out. Back! Spawn of Hell! I banish you in the name of Solon! Three of the skeletons turn and walk off into the darkness. Beric runs forward. With his attack bonus he needs just a 10 or more to hit. A 16 for 7 points of damage. The warrior's sword smashes through the ribcage of the skeleton and the bones clatter to the ground. Torsten charges another skeleton. With his attack bonus, like Beric, he needs a 10 or more to hit, but a 6 means he misjudges the swing and cannot connect a blow. Valen will conserve his spells but cannot stand by whilst his companions fight, and so enters the fray. He jabs with his staff at the 6th skeleton. He needs a 12 to hit. A 12! Way to go Valen. The mage does 2 points of damage, smashing the skeleton's lower jaw. There are just two skeletons remaining, and now it's their turn to attack. The skeleton fighting Torsten swings its short sword. It needs a 15 or more to hit the dwarf. A 15. Four. Two points of damage. The skeleton's sword slices the dwarf's right forearm. Torsten grunts in pain. The other skeleton is fighting Valen. This could be dangerous for the unarmored mage. The skeleton will need just a 10 or more to hit. A 15! Oof! Okay, let's see how bad this will be. Rolling damage on a D6. A 1. That was lucky. The skeleton's sword just nicks Valen's thigh. Okay, the party needs to close this combat down. Round 2. Initiative. The skeletons. A 5. The party. A 1. The skeleton attacking Torsten thrusts forward again, but with a 5 the Dwarf easily evades the blow. The skeleton fighting Valen presses the advantage. It needs just a 10 or more to hit, but with a 6 Valen parries the blow with his quarterstaff. Now it's the party's turn. Kier knocks an arrow and shoots at the skeleton on Valen. He needs a 10 or more. A 16 is a hit for... Four points of damage. That is enough. The Rogue's arrow smashes the skull and the Skeleton falls with a clatter. Torsten tries to counter attack, but a 6 means the Skeleton parries his axe. Beric moves to support Torsten, but with a 5 he just cannot get there this round. Valen steps out of the fight, but Lena swings with her Warhammer. And with a 16 she lands a blow for... Five points of damage. The Cleric Strike smashes the skeleton's sternum and several ribs, but it's not quite enough to take it down. Round Three. Hopefully this will be the last round. The final skeleton has just one hit point remaining. Initiative. The skeleton. A four. The party. A six. Right, come on Keir. The rogue knocks another arrow and shoots. An eighteen. No need to roll damage, the arrow severs the skeleton's spine and it clatters to the floor. Dramatis Personae – Torsten Torsten is a Dwarf, level 1. At 55 years old, he is still considered relatively young among his people, who can live up to 300 years. He is tall for a dwarf and well built, standing at 4 foot 2 inches and weighing 160 pounds. His hair and beard are both long and a rich chestnut colour, whilst his eyes are brown like the earth. Torsten and his younger brother Tostig were born in the dwarven city of Vaz in the Iron Ridge Mountains. Their father, an engineer, worked in the mines, and it is customary for sons to follow in the footsteps of their sires, so by the time the brothers were twenty, they had begun to work alongside their father in the deep shafts beneath the mountain. Unlike Tostig, Torsten was not a quick learner, but where he initially struggled with theory and mathematical equations, he more than made up for with his skill in construction, and over time the brothers became recognized as a competent team. As the elder brother, Torsten always felt responsible for Tostig, who, whilst clever, was often impulsive and lacked the practical common sense that is characteristic of their people. So, when 15 years ago, Torsten's father and a dozen other miners were killed during a tunnel collapse, which Tostig admitted was due to an error in his calculations, Torsten took the blame for his brother and left Vasfarun in disgrace. For a while, Torsten wandered the realm of power and more dwarven engineers were highly sought after by humans for their stonecraft, and the dwarf had no difficulty finding work in their towns and cities. Until then, he had no contact with humans, and he quickly became fascinated with the pace at which the Longshanks could build, change and live their short lives. Eventually, Torsten found himself overseeing repairs at Castle Trevenid, the stronghold of a Lord Conwyn. The Lord's son was a precocious youth, and ever keen to watch the builders at work and Torsten often found himself chastising the boy for getting in the way. On one such day, the Lord's Son was playing with a hound as the men were hauling stones up to the ramparts using a crane. Torsten told the boy to stay clear, but when the boy threw a stick for the dog to fetch and the hound refused to retrieve it, he ran under where the stones were being lifted. At that moment, there was a cracking sound as the boom gave way under the weight. Look out, Torsten shouted as he threw himself forward knocking the boy off his feet as the stones of the broken boom crashed to the floor and the dwarf knew only darkness pale daylight and the sound of folk going about their business filtered through a small lancet window and torsten stirred beneath the sheets ah you're awake a distant voice said the dwarf opened his eyes and slowly his vision cleared. He was in a small bedchamber, within the keep from the look of the stonework. The room was sparsely furnished, with just a chair and a small table upon which was a clay bowl and pitcher. A tall man with black hair and grey eyes stood at the foot of the bed. Torsten recognised the man as Lord Conwyn. I feel like I've been hit by a troll. Torsten croaked. "'Not quite, but you're lucky to be alive, my friend, and so is my son, thanks to you,' Conwyn stated. Torsten put a stubby hand up to his head and felt a bandage. "'Was he harmed?' the dwarf asked. "'Not a scratch, but the boy has felt the rod for what he did,' Conwyn replied. "'He is young, my lord. The young make mistakes.' And now he has learnt. With that, Lord Conwyn pulled up a chair and sat. But let us talk of other things. I have a proposal for you. Chapter 11 Part three Day eighteen Evening Party Status Beric seventeen out of seventeen hit points Lena ten out of ten hit points Kia seven out of seven hit points Valen six out of seven hit points Torsten six out of eight hit points Spells available Valen has memorized push and SHIELD. The light from Valen's lantern flickered, causing shadows to dance across the intricately carved stonework of the doorway, as the mage inspected the relief. After the fight with the skeletons, the companions had explored the rest of the cavern, and found two tunnel exits, one in the west wall and the other in the south, as well as the doorway in the north wall before which they now stood. Torsten had surmised that the tunnels were part of the natural cave system, and that at least one, probably the west path, would lead out to the surface. The others now kept watch, for whilst several of the skeletons, like the zombies before them had fled from Lena's holy symbol, the companions felt all too uneasy that they might return. Behind them, they could hear Valen muttering to himself in his native tongue as he studied the stonework at the doorway. The relief seemed to depict a number of scenes as if to tell a story, or a legend, or perhaps it was the record of events that may have passed, but it was impossible to know for sure. After a little while, Balan addressed his companions. I believe this tells the story of the one who is interred here. See here. It begins with a man, mining the earth. See the pickaxe he carries, and look. He finds what appeared to be five jewels." Balaam pointed at the stonework. Then it shows the forging of a crown, in which the jewels are set, followed by a coronation. See there, a king with a crown upon his head. It may be the same man, I cannot say for sure. So this is the burial site of a king? Lena asked. So it would seem. But there is more, Valen replied. What follows shows events and things that characterise this king's reign. War. The mage pointed to a scene of a battle. Lust and greed. Valen pointed again, this time to carvings of rape and pillage. Pestilence. The mage pointed to scenes of crops and livestock dying. And the descent to hell. Valen gestured toward scenes of people falling or being dragged by demons into a fiery pit. The Domains of the Five! Lena exclaimed. The who? Beric asked. The Five Dark Gods, the Cleric explained. Varlak the Destroyer, Selethra the Wanton, Krevik the Envious, Feleg the Decayer, and Mordgren, the Lord of Hell. Is there more? Beric asked of Valen. There is, the mage replied. The final part of the relief shows the king's demise. See him there, struck down by someone holding a sword. Then the crown is destroyed and the five jewels are each given to a different robed figure. But what about that? Keir asked, pointing to some carved words about the relief. I recognize these words. The language is related to my native tongue. It reads, here you will find I have a beginning, but no end, and I end all things that begin. What does that mean? Beric asked. It is a riddle, the mate replied as he began to repeat the words over, searching for the answer. I am sure that some of you will either know or easily solve the riddle, but let's see whether Valen can. I am going to make a straight unmodified intelligence check, which means that Valen needs to roll a 15 or less on a d20. Here it is a 4. Valen's brows were knotted as he considered the riddle. Then after a few moments, a look of understanding crossed his face. He smiled in satisfaction, but the smile was hollow. The answer is death. There was a sudden cracking noise, the sound of hinges moving for the first time in centuries, and inch by inch, the heavy oak door began to open. Thank you for listening to Legend of the Bones. If you like what you've heard then please consider giving it a 5 star review in your podcatcher of choice. Every review helps the show reach new listeners. You can also help by liking or retweeting new episode announcements. If you think that you would like to give voice acting a go, and would like to participate on the show, then please get in touch. I only have a couple of requirements. Firstly, is that you're a fan of the show. I guess that goes without saying if you're listening to this right now. And secondly, that you have a decent microphone. Something in the Rode or Blue Yeti quality is ideal. Talking of voice talent, I would like to thank Che Webster for giving voice to Lord Conwyn. Jay is the host of the excellent Roleplay Rescue podcast, which I cannot recommend highly enough. So much so that I am a patron. If you haven't given Roleplay Rescue a listen, you really should. Plus, I did an interview with Che for season 11. I would also love to know what you think of the show, and I do respond to every message I receive. So with that in mind, you can contact me on Twitter at Legend Bones, Instagram at Legend of the Bones, email at legendofthebones at gmail.com, or go to legendofthebones.blogspot.com for show notes, character profiles, maps and more. Join me next time to find out what awaits our adventurers as the Bones decide their fate. None shall escape the destiny of Bone.